Hello and welcome to Cosmic Guidance for All. I'm your host, Kira. Happy to be with you today. Um, I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys. I've been wanting to do episodes like this for a while, um, calling it Ask Kira, um, Ask Kira and whoever my guest is. So today it's Ask Kira and Ari. Um, Ari Felix is joining me. And I can't wait for you to listen. We're answering um, a couple questions about Saturn returns from Saturn in Pisces folks, Saturn in Aquarius folks, and even a Saturn in um, Scorpio person too. So this is going to be a really good episode. Um, Ari's wisdom is next level. And I just, I can't wait for you to hear um, everything they have to say. But first, just a little housekeeping. Um, For one, thank you so much for tuning in and like staying with me throughout the years. I started this podcast um, August of 2020, and I've been kind of inconsistent, I guess. You know, I put out a season, I kind of disappear for a bit, life gets crazy. Um, But, you know, by far, this is the offering that you know, you guys love the most of what I do. And I also love doing it. Um, For any human design folks out there, I'm a projector. My only defined centers are my G and my throat. And the only channel I have is the 1A channel between the G and the throat. And um, I just, I'm here to speak. (laughs) I'm here to talk. Um, I'm here to share whatever it is that, you know, comes out of my mouth, I guess. And it just means a lot that you guys have been um, here listening to me and sticking by me and also just like saying the sweetest things to me um, about my podcast and how much you've learned from it. So I just, I appreciate it more than you know. And um, I guess I just would ask, implore you, if you do love the show, um, to write a review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps a lot. And I guess, you know, just so you guys know, my hopes and goals for this show is that I can, um, you know, essentially monetize it and um, have it sustain itself so that I can do it more. (laughs) I want to be able to um, show up here more often and more consistently. Um, And so hopefully I'll be able to eventually get some sponsors and um, some help with that. But to order, in order to even get to that point, we need uh, more views and more people to see this show and listen and like and subscribe and all the things. So um, the way that you can help with that is by reviewing the podcast, rating us five stars. If you watch on YouTube, you know, subscribing and liking, commenting, all that stuff, it just helps. Um, you know, you guys get it. You guys, we're in 2023. You get the algorithm all that shit and how, um, it's helpful. So this is just my reminder to do it. If you like the show and you want to, um, you want to keep seeing me show up for it. (laughs) Um, another way to support is following at cosmic guidance for all on Instagram, um, and sharing, you know, just sharing the podcast when we have new episodes and, um, listening and all the things. It just, it all helps a lot. Um, Lastly, before we hop into this episode, I just want to talk to you guys about Jove's House. Um, Jove's House is my new community membership space subscription thing. (laughs) 
Um, I used to have the 11th house. I closed doors to the 11th house in early March and opened the doors to Joe's house um, pretty recently. So what we do in Joe's house is we have a monthly meetup every month. It's on like the second or third Thursday of the month, depending. Um, and we hang out on Zoom and I talk to you guys for a bit, answer some questions, and then we go into breakout rooms and you get to actually like meet and hang out with other astrologers, other astrology nerds, people who speak this weird cosmic language that we're speaking to each other all the time. Um, and it's just such a great way to make new friends, meet new people, and again, practice speaking the language. Um, additionally, we have a reading swap every month. On the first Sunday of every month, we do a reading swap. You can get paired up with another member, um, and you have an hour each to give each other readings and practice your skills, receive a reading if you're in need for some insight. Um, again, meet new people, exchange testimonials if you're working on, you know, building your practice, all of that. So I love reading swaps. I still do reading swaps very regularly with colleagues, um, whether it's, you know, psychic readings I do swaps for, or, you know, human design reading for an astrology reading, all the different things. I've done it quite a bit. Um, and it's just such a great way of, exchanging, um, yeah, exchanging our gifts. So, and again, pretty, pretty anti-capitalist too, right? Like we can, you can receive a reading, give a reading, you don't have, there doesn't have to be an exchange of funds here. Um, it's really about, you know, helping each other and improving each other. So that's Joe's house. What you also get is, um, access to my private Instagram account at Joe's house which um, I do private live streams on. We do smoke sessions together. I answer your questions. I sometimes post things or, you know, all the things. I'm just, it's just a private Instagram feed only for members. So um, yeah, you can get all of that. Oh, plus I forgot to mention this before. There's also a priority um, form for, for ask Kira questions. So if you're in Joe's house, your um, your questions will be put in the priority bucket. So I'll read them first. Um, all of this for $11 a month. Yes, $11 a month. I think it's pretty affordable. Um, you know, 11, the 11th house used to be $44 a month. So I really wanted to make this more accessible to more people. I know times are rough right now. Um, for a lot of us. Um, so yeah, I just wanted there to be a, a safe space that was also, you know, um, accessible and affordable to, to join. So yeah, $11 a month, $22 a month for those who have it. I would appreciate it if you can. Um, yeah, either, or you get the same amount of stuff. So, all right. Um, last but not least, I'm just going to note that any of the charts that you see me posting um, are from are generated through Luna Astrology software, and um, you can get ten percent off if you're into it. If you want a new astrology software, I love Luna. I've been using it for about four years now. Um, ever since I met them, or I didn't even meet them, but ever since I became aware of them at Norwalk 2019, um, I have since met Kevin, the founder. And um, 
I am an affiliate. So if you use my code, um, Kira, K-I-R-A-H, um, or you can go to my my site, kira.world slash links, and you'll find the link there that just has the code pre-entered already. Um, you can get 10% off of your first uh, year for Luna. Another reason I love Luna is because it is very affordable. Um, I don't remember the exact price off the top of my head right now, but I think it's somewhere around $10 or $12 a month um, for the software. So you'll get 10% off if you use my code. Um, so yeah, I like it most primarily because it's pretty. I'm not going to lie. I'm very aesthetically oriented, (laughs) Venus and Libra. Um, and I just don't, I can't make sense of things unless they are pretty or designed well. (laughs) So that's part of the reason why I love, uh, using Luna. It's gorgeous. All of the charts, um, are on my phone as well because it's all in the cloud. So I'm like going to hold up my phone and just show that it's all here. I have it on my phone. I have it on my computer. I can easily switch back and forth. It's all there. Yes, it's a great software. So I wanted to note that. Um, Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into this episode. All right. Hey, Ari, how's it going? Hi, it's going great. Good. It's so good to have you here for, I guess it's like, yeah, you're my first guest on my new podcast. Again. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Again, because um, (laughs) yes, you were, you were one of my first guests. Well, you were on the first episode of the astrology show. So yeah, so fitting. Amazing. Um, We're recording Tuesday, April 11th. Um, It's like 1230 Pacific. And the Jupiter Kazemi is perfecting as we speak. Um, and yeah, I am really excited to do this episode, um, Ask Kira and Ari questions. <laughs> um, and this one's going to be primarily about Saturn and Saturn returns. Um, but before we hop into it, let's introduce you to the audience. I'm sure a lot of people have... Um, heard you on my podcast or just know of your work already. But if not, um, yeah, do you want to speak to what you do, who you are, all of that? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Ari Felix. I am a writer, an astrologer, and a world-building coach. So I write a lot on Substack in the dream realm about transmutational gnosis and world-building. And honestly, whatever I'm thinking about, it's like half- personal blog, half teaching. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I love using astrology to create frameworks for people to bring their dreams into reality. And so that's also what I do coaching people one-on-one. Awesome. So yeah, you do um, one-on-one and then you also have your world building school, right? Yeah, I had world building school first cohort earlier this year. Um, and cohort two is probably going to start around summer solstice. We'll see. Awesome. Can you speak more to what that entails? Yeah. So world building school, at least uh, as far as cohort one was concerned, was going through each uh, sect. So diurnal and nocturnal as a framework for internal and external reality and how to work with internal and external reality to create reality. And then we went through every single planet 
and their relationship to world building, how that planet shows up in reality, what their function is in reality, and how to better work with that planet from the inside out. Amazing. (laughs) Just like, it's so rich. Sorry, what were you going to say? It was just super fun. It was really great. Yeah. Yeah. You um, came into, was it? Yeah. You did a workshop for the 11th house sometime last year um, about, it wasn't planets and ancestors. Which one did you do? Oh, you did. um, It was psychic communication with your chart ruler. So yeah, taking people through actually having a direct conversation with a planet. It was, and everyone loved it so much. People still talk about that. Um, so yeah, if you don't already know Ari's work, definitely check it out because it's amazing. You just do such, um, it's not even just such great work, but it is, it's so unique and, and specific and um, not a lot of people are doing it. So it's exciting. And you also do um, timeline jumping sessions. Yes. Do you do sessions or? I'm a timeline jumping tour guide trained by P the Fairy. So um if you're a Dream Realm member, which is a paid subscriber to my Substack, you can book a one-on-one jump with me at any time. And then otherwise, you can request a jump with me if you've already jumped before. Can you explain a little bit what jumping, what timeline jumping is, what it means? Yeah. So timeline jumping is an embodiment modality where you're somatically shifting the energy of your body and of your energetic field to be a match to your desired destination. So the ultimate bottom line is timeline jumping is a way to locate yourself through your body and merge with more of yourself through passing through the void and kind of dissolving any attachments to definitions, identities, the way things should be, like all of these um, attachments to your current state, your current self dissolving that in the void so that you have more space to meet and merge with more of who you really are, who you really want to be and what you want to have access to in your material reality. Yes. And I've done timeline jumping. Um, I think I did a session with P a while back and I did a session with you sometime last year and it was amazing. Um, I still think about it a lot and just like, yeah, certain moments within within that, I don't know, it's not a meditation, but I guess it kind of is. It kind of is, yeah. Yeah, and just where I saw myself, like I still picture myself there often. So um, Mm. yeah, it's such a powerful tool. Um, And yeah, if people are interested, they should definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. I just feel- It's all on my site. Yes, it's all on your site. And what's your site? Thedreammommy.com, mommy, M-A-M-I. Perfect. And you're at the the dream mommy on socials as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like world building this kind of, it seems like it kind of came up throughout your Saturn return, right? Which mm-hmm. is so like mm-hmm. Saturn related to the world card and the tarot. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because yeah, I, you know, finished up my Saturn return and decided to start going by Kira.world and my new URLs, Kira.world. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so this like, yeah, Saturn world building. Yeah, it just feels so connected. And part, part of the reason why I wanted you to come on this episode and talk about Saturn and help answer these questions about Saturn and Saturn returns, because 
I mean, we got close th- throughout our Saturn return um, and our Saturn returns. We both have Saturn and Aquarius. Um, and we just, I feel like, talked so much about Saturn and our Saturn returns throughout the past couple of years. So, um, yeah, I figured now that we're both kind of fresh out of it, it'd be a good time to answer some questions and help, um, yeah, give some insight to some of the Saturn and Pisces folks and help settle the nervous systems of some of the Saturn and Aquarius folks like us. So, um, yeah, I guess we can get into it. Actually, I realized, I don't know if I can share my screen on, um, on this platform. We're, we're recording on a new platform, everyone. Um, so maybe that's not going to work. Let me see if I can, what I'm going to do is, um, I'm just going to share, I'm going to share these slides with you. So you can just see them. Um, the tree. Sorry for the clicking, clacking, folks. <laughs> I can't hear it. Okay, good. Um, Ari, here we go. Okay, cool. Um, and I'll just try to like splice these into the video um, when I'm editing. But yeah, let's get into it. Um, let's do it. Let me let me know if you pull that up so you can just mostly so you can see the charts. Um, mm, I will be okay. sharing. Yeah, on I'll share you guys the info from the charts as well. Um, but our oh, this is awesome. I love this as a setup. Oh, thanks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so first question is from Wood Turner. Um, and by the way, if you guys have questions. Feel free to submit. Um, it's just kira.world slash ask, A-S-K. And you can submit your questions for me and whoever, whatever guests I bring on to answer them. Um, you can also submit hashtag astrologer good stories on there. Ari, do you have, like, what's your way of explaining what hashtag astrologer good is? <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely one of those people who had no idea what the fuck people were talking about <laughs> when they did, started using astrologer good. Um, I just hear Chris Brennan's voice in my head, like saying, like when people say, like, "Here's a way that astrologer showed up in real life," and Chris being like, "That's good, sure." Like that's how I imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how I imagine that the hashtag emerged. It's just like, that's good. Like that's good astrology work matching up for that that like parallel between the astrology and what actually happened. Yeah. Um, so basically I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just know, I just know it means like this is like on point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the astrology is hitting. The astrology hits. Yeah. It's hitting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I basically <laughs> describe it as like, you know, you a transit something happens something happens astro- astrologically whether it's you know subjectively good or bad um if the astrology hits if the astrology of the situation is just like so clear um then that's hashtag astrologer good because regardless of if the situation is good or not subjectively it's always really cool when the astrology matches up um so if you have any of those stories especially about any recent transits um, feel free to submit. I would love to read some of them on the air because I just think it's such a good idea. Um, it's a great way of learning about how transits can affect people and show up in people's lives. Um, and it's good for taking away like the scariness out of transits sometimes. Um, cause sometimes you'd be like totally terrified for a certain transit and, 
you know, you see it manifest in someone's life in a way that is not as <laughs> terrifying as it might seem. Yeah. So yeah. That- but that should be a new hashtag. <laughs> I I think that should be astrology that hits. That should be your hashtag. I mean, maybe you you're right. Maybe it should be astrology <laughs> that hits. Um, yeah. TBD. That's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, we're going to answer our first listener question here. Um, Wood Turner, um, that's a pseudonym, I'm pretty sure. Um, they ask. <laughs> <laughs> Their address is. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's the social. Um, no, they ask, what can someone whose chart ruler is Saturn expect for their Saturn return? Um, and if you want to look at their chart, they gave the okay to share their info. Um, it's they're, they're born November 21st, 1994 um, at 12.51 p.m. in Homer, Alaska. So that gives a nine-degree um, Capricorn rising chart, hence this person asking about Saturn um, as their chart ruler returning. So they're Capricorn rising. They have Saturn at five degrees of Pisces in the third house, um, and they also have a bunch of Scorpio plant placements in the 11th house. They have a Scorpio sun on their midheaven at 29 degrees. Um, Pluto's at 28 degrees of Scorpio. So sun, sun Pluto conjunction on the midheaven. They have Jupiter very close by at 26 degrees of Scorpio. Um, Mercury at 16 Scorpio, the North node at 14 Scorpio. And finally Venus retrograde at two degrees Scorpio. Um, so a ton of Scorpio placements. It's all ruled by Mars and Leo in the eighth house um, at 23 Leo. And um, they have a Cancer moon um, right on the descendant in the seventh house. So yeah, this person's very watery. Their chart ruler is is Saturn in a water sign, Pisces. They have a Cancer moon and a million <laughs> Scorpio placements. Um, yeah, how do you feel like just first glance off of this chart, knowing that this person's going through their Saturn return right now. Um, and it should be noted, both me and Ari are also super Scorpios. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is hot. I feel like I'm looking at a thirst trap. <laughs> literally. This is like literally a like grand trine thirst trap. Um, that all like the final dispositor is Mars in Leo or Sun in Scorpio, depending how you want to look at mm-hmm. it, you know, like ping ping pongs between that Mars and Leo and that Sun and Scorpio, um, which is really fascinating to think about in terms of Saturn and Pisces being the chart ruler and answering to more water, but also having that fiery kick, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the hot sauce in the bag. I feel like <laughs> that, Mar- that Mars and Leo, you know, yes. it's like there's all this, this oceanic stuff going on. Um, yeah, to what to expect for being a Saturnian like ruled person during your Saturn return. I mean, there's there's like a way I feel like on the one hand it's like you can expect a lot of Saturn, right? But then on the other hand, I've also noticed that it can show up as just kind of like a deeper solidification of the self. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're already super Saturnian or if your chart ruler is Saturn and it's your Saturn return, it's like you're just coming back to home base. Mm -hmm. You're just coming back to your chart ruler, you know, to like apprentice them for two and a half years, um, you know, after doing whatever the fuck you've been doing the rest of your life. Um, So it's like kind of like a check-in and a homecoming 
you know, um, and that can show up as the volume being turned all the way up on Saturn. But I think for this person, for, for Wood Turner, it's like, because Saturn is answering to Jupiter and Jupiter is answering to Mars and Mars is answering to the sun. There's something solar about this Mm -hmm. that is kind of like, there's an under underlaid tone of solarness. So it's not just about Saturn for this person. Yeah. And if I can piggyback off of that, all I can think of when I look at this chart is damn last year must've been rough (laughs) 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 because when Saturn was still in Aquarius and that, you know, I think about Saturn as you, Wood Turner, um, you were kind of in the second house space of Saturn and Aquarius, um, just in locked in a square, basically, with all your Scorpio planets and opposing your, your Mars um, pretty much all of last year. Um, on top of that, going through a nodal reversal, like this is, it's, I can just tell it's been a kind of a rough go <laughs> for the past like two years. I would imagine Saturn and Aquarius, which is not an easy time for you. Um, and so, you know, when Saturn, when Saturn return started at the beginning of March, right before that, we had Saturn squaring your sun um, in your midheaven and that Pluto, we could say as well. Um, and so Saturn, you know, that, that Saturn square sun went through Ari and I both experienced that last year as well. Not fun. Or you experienced it the year before, I think. Um, but I, I just keep thinking about the fact that, you know, you're done with that. <laughs> you're done with all those really intense squares. And now that Saturn is, you know, in a more visible house, um, the third house, and is just, you're just getting trines now, right? It's just trines that you're experiencing from Saturn, mm-hmm. um, it feels like it's more supportive and less just tough, you know, like less mentally, probably physically draining um, as a Saturn in Aquarius. <laughs> <Choo-choo>. <laughs> um, as a Saturn in Aquarius transit was for you. Um, Saturn will come back to zero degrees, right? So in November, it's going to station at zero um, Pisces and pretty, pretty much within you know, um, orb of a square to your sun again. Um, so just know that you're, you're coming back, just what you were saying about it being very solar, like we're, we are coming back there, but not, not as tough, not as rough as it, as it was, um, this past year and up until March of this year. So that's just something I want to note for you. Like you're getting, I know right now that you're in a, um, Venus is your, your time Lord, you're 28, I believe. So Venus is your time lord. You're getting Saturn trine Venus right now as it's returning. Um, it's going to come in to a pretty close trine to your moon as well this year. So to me, this is all saying like this is so much to do with identity and how you see yourself and how you want to be seen by others. But it's a it's a supportive influence as, as opposed to in the past couple of years, I would imagine it would have been a lot more um, just like you know, improvement through judgment, like self-judgment or feeling judged by others and how Saturn can just make things really heavy and dark <laughs> and make you, um, I don't know, especially for me with the sun, Saturn squared the sun, it was just so, it was depressing, you know, and it was, um, it was hard to deal with like self-esteem wise. And so I'm hoping that the Saturn return sort of 
you know, you come back to yourself in a lot of ways. You kind of return to your body, return to, you know, who you want to be seen as, who you see yourself as. And the Saturn return sort of being this, um, yeah, this kind of movement moment to improve in a way that feels right for you instead of like what you're what others are projecting onto you or what, you know, you're feeling judgment for from the outside. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there's a kind of like a rebuilding, you know, with all these trines, especially trying the moon as well, which is like angular domicile. Um, so there's Saturn is coming into support the rebuilding process, especially as a day chart. Mm-hmm you know, especially as a day chart, just like really coming in to support the rebuilding of the self and rebuilding of, of your world, really. And other people are so important in this, right? Like you have all these water placements in the social houses, the third, seventh, and 11th. And so I'd imagine, you know, with these eclipses that we've been having in Scorpio and Taurus, that there's been quite a bit of changes to your community and to, you know, your network and maybe even your audience, depending on what you do. Um, And so, yeah, the Saturn return feels like it's really relational and it probably has a lot to do with rebuilding some connections, you know, building community, perhaps, um, yeah, perhaps, you know, even local community as well, since the Saturn's in the third. I see this often with people who like to be involved with, you know, local organizing or politics or, um, you know, just being involved with people in your local community in your neighborhood or your city. Um, so I'm ex- I've been excited for Capricorn Risings for um, having Saturn or your chart ruler in the third house because it's like you finally get to like come out of your your hiding place. I think Capricorn Risings have been sort of um, you know sheltered since the pandemic started and not really getting out much. Um, so now it's like you're kind of forced out a little bit. And I, I'm excited because I have a lot of Capricorn rising friends I, I miss and I want to see. <laughs> so maybe I'm a little bit um, biased with that. But yeah, that's something I'm also thinking a lot about is like, you know, the Capricorn risings are going to be visible again. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Can I add one last thing? Yeah, please. I would say. Um, this is kind of like in general for everyone with this shift into Saturn and Pisces, but especially for Wood Turner, like soften your expectations of yourself, but maintain your boundaries with other people. Mm-hmm. With all that water, it can be easy to like drop your the boundaries that you've learned to instate during the last five years um, because it's exhausting to hold them up if you're being hard on yourself. But if you can be less hard on yourself and maintain those boundaries, you'll be good to go. I love that. That's such a really beautiful um, reflection. Also looking at our next question too. So yeah, would, I hope that helps. Um, Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Next, we have a question from Rain um, that has a lot to do with boundaries. So Rain says, I've had I've had a people-pleasing imbalance, and with my Saturn returning in Pisces, I know this is something that I need to eventually address. As a highly sensitive person with fibromyalgia, I notice people-pleasing creates harm in my body and trust with myself is damaged. What, can, what should I do to prepare myself for this glow-up period? 
Um, Mm -hmm. And Rain gave permission to share their birth info. They're born January 18th, 1996 at 4.08 a.m. in San Jose, California. Um, So that gives them a 10 degree uh, Sagittarius rising. They have Pluto and Sag in the first house. Um, They also have a Sag moon at 28 degrees in the first house. Um, their chart ruler is Jupiter and Capricorn in the second house at three degrees. They're Capricorn Sun, um, Sun Mercury Kazemi actually. It's like almost a Kazemi. It's about a degree off. Um, Mercury retrograde and Capricorn. There's Neptune close by as well. They have um, Mars and Aquarius in the third house, Venus and Pisces in the fourth house, and Saturn and Pisces in the fourth house. Saturn's uh, pretty close to the IC, about seven degrees away from the IC. So yeah, this person has Saturn return happening in their fourth house. Um, Saturn's currently transiting their natal Venus in Pisces, which is at four degrees. And yeah, their their exact return will happen, um, I believe, in 2025 when Saturn gets to 20. Um, but it gets pretty close. I think it's like 19 degrees next year. So they're in it. I mean, I'm pretty sure both of us go are under the belief that your Saturn return starts when Saturn enters that sign and it ends when Saturn leaves that sign. Um, so yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) very much so. Yeah. So um, what are your kind of first thoughts about this question for rain and, people pleasing. Um, I added this one in at the end because I I was like, I wonder if there's any more Saturn return questions. And I saw this one. I was like, this is going to be good for Ari to answer. (laughs) You're good. Yes. I'm notorious, (laughs) notoriously unpleasing to people. Um, so (laughs) I, this, the way that they phrase this question is such a cool, like clear articulation of their natal chart. It's kind of so literal Mm. with that moon being the body in the house of the body in the first house and there being a sign based. And, you know, if we want to use a wide orb, like if we want to use the eight degree limit, there's a square between their moon Mm -hmm. and Saturn. Mm -hmm. And so that like tension, that creative tension between how they hold themselves and their body and these kind of, internalized expectations because that's what people pleasing is really about it's like you have internal expectations of how you need to be with other people and you know with saturn in the fourth we can expect that a a lot of those expectations as they do for most people come from the place of origin and early conditioning and like that's the kind of stuff that gets so deeply rooted in the body and shows up in the body as pain and discomfort Mm -hmm. And so it is very, like, they are correct. Like, it is the period of them confronting the lack of boundaries so that they can protect their moon. They can protect their body. They can protect themselves and, like, mitigate and manage pain. Um, And so what should I do to prepare myself for this glow-up period is prepare yourself by really allowing yourself to sit with and become as comfortable as you can or practice becoming comfortable with disappointing others Mm -hmm. and with the concept of failing 
others or failing yourself even by not having boundaries, right? Because there's both. It's like, oh, I know I should have boundaries and I'm not, so I'm failing myself. And then it's like, oh, I'm having boundaries, so I'm disappointing and failing other people. And, you know, Saturn is that that failure energy. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting internalized into the body in such a deep way. Um, but Rain, you're already aware of that, which is incredible, you know? And so from awareness, you can just start asking yourself, how willing am I to be comfortable with the discomfort of not pleasing other people? And more importantly, why does that feel so necessary for me? You know, am I also expecting other people to bend over backwards or kiss ass or like people please me? You know, and that can be a good way to check in with like, oh, there's a double standard here. So like, I'm not, I'm not expecting other people to, um, be this way with themselves. So I don't need to be that that way with myself either. Yeah, that really hits. I I keep being drawn to um, the mutual reception between Saturn and Jupiter in this chart. Um, Whereas we have your chart ruler is Jupiter and fall in Capricorn. And, um, you know, I, I often talk about having the chart ruler in detriment or fall and, um, you know, dealing with either chronic illness or chronic pain, <clears throat> excuse me, or um, just discomfort in the body. I personally I have Jupiter in Virgo as my chart ruler, and I also deal with ch- chronic illness. Um, and it really just speaks to there being, you know, that planet is in a place that is uncomfortable for it. <laughs> and essentially, you know, that can of- that often translate to discomfort in the body. Um, and I feel like, yeah, the, like being ruled by Jupiter, um, there's often the expectation that maybe we have for ourselves, maybe that it's, you know, put on us by others, but of being, you know, um, kind of like the good, the good one <laughs> being good. <laughs> um, I think that's even more underscored by you having your Venus and Pisces, um, you know, in a, in a pretty, it's square in your ascendant. It has this pretty tight sextile with your chart ruler. So yeah, that Venus in Pisces as well, being the um, benefic of the sect too, it has very much like be good energy behind it. Like, um, you know, you, you probably have expectations of yourself and others to be good. And therefore you probably give others the benefit of the doubt so much, (laughs) so much, probably more than, you know, probably more than you give yourself. Um, But yeah, sorry, coming back to that mutual reception as well between Jupiter and Saturn, it's not easy, I think. I I often feel really bad for for, um, this sub-generation of Saturn and Pisces because of the Jupiter influence and having to, um, yeah, having to sort of balance that or marry that, the the Jupiter-Saturn. And I guess like you and I, we were kind of lucky in that we didn't, um, we weren't born during the Jupiter-Saturn opposition. I say lucky, you know, I'm not really saying anyone's unlucky or anything. It's just my personal, <laughs> my personal opinions. Um, because I see that Jupiter-Saturn opposition that a lot of us millennials have born in 1990 and 1991. Um, and I think about that a lot too. Like, just how difficult it might be to balance the expansiveness of Jupiter with the, you know, constraints of Saturn. Um, 
And that's something you're all dealing with, not all of you, but a lot of you are dealing with, with your Saturn returns in Pisces with either Jupiter in Sag or Jupiter in Capricorn. Um, excuse me. So I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but that really catches me. And especially in regards to thinking about right and wrong. Um, and like, if you, you know, kind of being able to judge what is right and wrong or how your, um, how your body is experiencing right and wrong for you. Um, so yeah, I kind of, mm-hmm. I just, I guess I just say that to kind of underscore everything Ari was saying and that I just also just to validate looking at your chart, how, you know, what you're experiencing. Um, yeah, I, I, I see people mm-hmm. with the sun, Neptune conjunction and Capricorn often having very similar sort of questions because it is kind of, it's a very confusing <laughs> energy. Um, there's so much in your chart that speaks to being able to see the best in people and, you know, <clears throat> wanting to trust people um, and how that's almost like, you know, a default, like, of course, you know, but then of course getting burned because people aren't all good. People don't act all good. Right. Um and in having to process that in your body and having to process that in your mind too about trusting people and, you know, I shouldn't have trusted them. What's wrong with me for letting this happen? That type of thing. So I think a lot of those, a lot of that's going to be coming up during your Saturn return and it's essentially opportunities to recognize it and course correct, recognize it and course correct, which I think also happens a lot during the nodal reversal too, which is coming up for you as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's something that you said about like trying to balance like the difference between Jupiter and Saturn, specifically here with Jupiter and Capricorn and Saturn and Pisces. It's like the try you said trying to balance the expansiveness of Jupiter with the maybe like limitation of Saturn. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what word you used. But here it's actually looks kind of different where it's like Saturn is the one that there's excess of, mm-hmm. right? And Jupiter is the one that there's a, a lack of, right? It's so a lack, lack of that like self-fortifying Jupiter buoyancy and like um, like willingness to take up space, right? And a lot of that Saturnian like high expectations mm-hmm. on the self that, that causes, can cause people pleasing. And so um, – Specifically when that Saturn is, you know, in Pisces Mm -hmm. and with Venus there, like you said. And so what I'm looking at here as like a little like loophole is the exaltation ruler of that Jupiter. So the exaltation ruler of Capricorn is Mars and rain, your Mars is in Aquarius, very close to Uranus. So it makes me think of developing to prepare for this period, develop a bad like a bad girl, bad boy, bad babe character mm-hmm. that is going to kind of like be the costume you put on when you need to make those decisions about a boundary or about it's really a boundary. P- people pleasing is about having a boundary with yourself because you're the one with the impetus to people please, mm. right? Like no one can make you do that. Um, and so create a bad boy character that has this kind of like Mars and Aquarius, Uranus edge of rebellion, you know, like, like I'm thinking like a motorcycle, like a, you know, futuristic motorcycle kind of thing. I love this. Like, 
I don't know, Ryan Reynolds or not Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling and maybe, maybe it is Ryan Reynolds. Maybe it's Deadpool. Maybe Deadpool is the bad character. Um, but you know, like make it fun, make it playful, like create a persona, um, out of Mars. Cause Mars is your intercessor here. Mars is the one who understands agency, self-determination and saying a hard no. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know, prolific of the sex. So it's not going to mm-hmm. burn you as bad. Like you can work with Mars. Um, what's yeah. You have some agency to work yeah. with Mars without getting too burned. Yeah. So I would say if you want to soften Saturn, ironically, like your way in is through working with Mars. Cause you need to build up your inner strength and your inner agency. Um, so yeah, that might be something fun to play with. I love that. It's to me, it's giving like graffiti even like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like posting, like, you know, um, sticker graffiti even this because of the third house element of it and the Uranus element. And I think it goes really well with Pluto sitting on your Uranus right now, kind of, you know, hanging out near your, your, your Kazemi, your Mercury Kazemi. Yeah, Pluto there. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I love that idea, Ari. Like, yeah, be a little bad. Yeah, if so. If someone's grimy with you, go do graffiti on their house. Yes. That's basically <laughs> get a permanent marker. No, um, and even just like I, for me, what's also coming up, and you don't have to do this at all, but um, something like a like a private Twitter account or like somewhere where you can just like get out all your frustrations and just kind of like bitch somebody proud. out yes. um, without them seeing it or without them knowing it's you or just like getting it out into the world. Um, it could also look like writing, writing it down for you, but yeah. I, voice notes. Voice like notes. just open up your voice note and just like speak as if you're speaking to that person mm-hmm. to get it out of your body <clears throat> so it doesn't cause more pain. Yes. Yes. I love that, especially for someone who was born during this retrograde Kazemi, which is literally like Mercury restarting its whole cycle when it's in the retrograde Kazemi. So it just like I feel like you're someone who has stuff to say, you know, and um, yeah, Mars is sets tile to ascend it mm-hmm. too. So it's a good way to like express yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that idea. Be a little bad. I'm so pro. Um being a little bad (laughs) that's so great thank you so much for submitting rain and i hope it helped let us know if it did yeah send us a link to your private twitter (laughs) excuse me okay now we have actually our next two um questions are gemini risings who have saturn in aquarius so not me being like Oh my God, is this my ex? <laughs> no, literally. It's not. <laughs> the second one literally is like almost the exact same chart as your ex and my ex because they have the same birthday. <laughs> and We got a lot of advice for the Yes, person. we have a lot of advice. Okay. So, <laughs> but it's not. It's not either of our exes. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So this is from Tired Saturnian. Um, they say, My Saturn return is ending, but I just started the first of two Saturn-ruled years. Is it going to feel like two more years of Saturn return? Their birthday, uh, which they give permission to share, is December 23rd, 1991. They were born at 3.47 p.m. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm like, I wonder if I played this person in sports before or something because we we would have been in school at the same time. One of us has to know this person. Yeah, literally. (laughs) 
<laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so this person is uh, Gemini rising at 20 degrees. Their chart ruler is Mercury in Sagittarius um, in, at nine degrees Sag in the seventh house, co-present with Mars in Sag. They have a, um, a Leo moon at five degrees, Leo in the third house, and opposite it is Saturn in Aquarius, four degrees in the ninth house. Um, they also have a, a Venus-Pluto conjunction in the sixth house in, in Scorpio, their Capricorn sun. Um, yeah. And just worth it to know, I think their midheaven is also in Aquarius in the ninth house. Um, so the Saturn return was very midheaven oriented for this person, you know, career oriented, I would imagine. All of my Gemini rising friends had th- this as well, um, midheaven in the ninth. So, so yeah, Saturn returns done, but they are in Saturn ruled years. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have anything to start off with? Yeah, I mean, I'm in this situation similarly. I just entered the first of my two Saturn years, and I just finished my Saturn return. Um, It's interesting because I'm wondering at, you know, this question was recently submitted, so there must be a kind of like not yet feeling the softening or not yet feeling a difference, Mm -hmm. you know, and they have this kind of like, semi-stellium in in Capricorn or we could say they have a Saturnian stellium so many answer so many planets answering to Saturn Mm -hmm. um so I I this is this is my opinion I don't feel like it's going to be two more years of Saturn return one because impossible right Mm -hmm. like there's just nothing like your Saturn return so things can still feel Saturnian and, you know, be challenging or difficult, in, but it's going to be in other ways, especially because there's nothing happening in Pisces for this person that's going to tie it back in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it really is like new territory. Um, and it's what I say to like Capricorn placement people of any kind is that Saturn in Pisces is a sextile. It's a supportive aspect to your your Saturnian placements, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's going to be a, a period of defrosting from all that heavy Saturn, especially since some of it was in the eighth house for its higher Saturnian, you know, and then in the ninth house, very kind of like outward place. And having Saturn angular is still allowed Saturn. Um, but they're also a day chart. So it's like there's a softening and a defrosting, but also a solidification that's happening that I think can happen with more ease than perhaps they're expecting. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's the, the anticipation of more difficulty that's more exhausting than allowing room for the possibility of it being easier. And easier doesn't have to mean without challenge you know it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a binary but we just make more space for being like the the shift has already happened the shift has already occurred you know mm-hmm. and now it's just integration time this post saturn return period the first saturn ingress after your saturn return is really about integrating um and 
making some moves outwardly, but really just kind of like solidifying everything that you learned, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, there's like, I, I agree. Um, it's different. It's going to be different. There's going to be similar themes, of course, um, from as you know, you're in a Saturn year, your Saturn's in Aquarius in the ninth house. So your Saturn return period was probably a lot about career is probably a lot about um, how you see the world. These ninth house, the, I mean, Saturn in the ninth house for me was when I um, saw my birth chart for the first time and became obsessed with astrology. So um, I would imagine your Saturn return had a lot to do with, you know, uh, frameworks for how you perceive life, how you perceive, perceive the world, but also probably had something to do with, you know, higher education or potential pursuit for um, higher knowledge, higher education, um, and or something to do with teaching, sharing knowledge um, as a career. It doesn't have to necessarily be teaching. It could be, you know, publishing any sort of media um, broadcast, that type of thing. So I would imagine that, you know, 31 and 32 are continuing to build on the events that came with the Saturn return that started with the Saturn return. Um, and yeah, both will continue to have, you know, deal with similar themes, but Saturn's in Pisces now. So we're thinking about the ruler of the eighth house and the ninth house, your Saturn ruled houses now being in the 10th house and in a sign where, you know, it's ruled by Jupiter. It's, it's answering to another planet at this point. So there is definitely a shift in that, um, we're not dealing with, you know, stubborn Saturn and Aquarius right now. You know, we're, we're dealing with a Saturn that's answering to Jupiter, Jupiter, and that has more um, access to more flexibility, access to more, um, you know, just different ways of doing things that doesn't have to be the tradition, doesn't have to be like, um, yeah, it's restricted and limited as things have always maybe seemed to be. So there's that. Um, you're also not dealing with Saturn opposing your moon anymore. That was probably a big part of your Saturn return, um, as well as Saturn squaring your your um, your Venus-Pluto conjunction that you won't have to deal with anymore. Um the flip side of that is you will start to not not this year, but next year, um, Saturn's going to start filling out your mutable square. So it will begin to oppose your Jupiter. It's going to square your Mercury and your and your Mars. Um, that's pretty much all happening in 2024. So Saturn squares are limiting; they are restricting. Um, but this again is a new. This is new territory. It's we're not. Don't think that this is going to be like the opposition to your moon or the square to your to your uh, to your Venus. Um, it's different. We're we're dealing with mutable squares now. It's very different from fixed squares, um, and and it's and it's now angular for you. So I personally think that angular transits tend to be not necessarily easier to deal with, but um, they're more actionable in my opinion. And it's like, you know what you're working with, you know what you're dealing with. Um, It's more direct. It's more visible. Exactly. Whereas um, cadent transits, like all the fixed, I've been calling it the fixed fuckery 
pretty sure Chris Chow came up with that, um, Ching Yi. But anyway, fixed fuckery that we were dealing with last year with Saturn and Aquarius, you know, squaring, squaring Uranus, the nodes, the eclipses, all the things that we were dealing with was all in cadent houses for you. Um, same with any mutable rising. And what I find, I'm also a mutable rising, was dealing with this in cadent houses. Those squares were way more difficult to deal with because um, it was just sort of like you had to learn to live with it. Like there were, they weren't very actionable. There were a lot more, um, you know, just kind of like getting through it. <laughs> they were just grind, you know, it's felt like a grind. Um, and you just kind of had to wait it out. It didn't feel like there was anything you could actually do to shift or change anything, or at least that's how it felt in my opinion. So yeah, I just, I'm saying this just to say that these, um, mutable squares, these Saturn transit through your 10th and squaring your mutable placements, um, while they'll, they will be difficult and challenging in some ways, I'm sure they don't expect them to be the same quality as, you know, the squares you're moving through during your Saturn return. Um, and I also say, you know, the first of the two Saturn years, you are like building, right? So the second of the two Saturn years, when at the end of this year, when you turn 32 and you, um, you're in that ninth house year, there's going to be a definite shift from being in the eighth house, um, to entering into this ninth house space with your midheaven and your Saturn. I think just, I would expect there to be, um, just like upward trajectory, essentially, not to say that, you know, it's that clear, but there's a building essentially like you are, you're taking steps, um, over these next two years towards that midheaven and with that Saturn in the ninth house ruling the midheaven really is all about. Um, so yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. this, this next period is going to require more flexibility, mm-hmm. whereas the fixed transits required more holding your position. Mm-hmm. And so it's still demanding, um, but demanding a different thing. And then, you know, a house activation is different than a Saturn return. So having like the eighth house activated and then the ninth house activated is not the same as having Saturn conjunct your Saturn. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're in a practice ground. You're in a Saturnian practice ground of implementing and applying what you learned during the last five years of transits, which is different than experiencing the last five years of transits. Absolutely. And worth it to note, you're not going to be dealing with malefics on your angles like you were the past, you know, six months to a year with Saturn hanging out in your midheaven and Mars just, you know, going back and forth over your ascendant. Um, that would have certainly colored your experience of the end of your Saturn return. And we're not dealing with that again. Um, So yeah, just wanted to put that out there as well. Um, So yeah, let us know, Tired Saturnian. Trust me, um, you're not alone in that. (laughs) You're not alone in being tired. And I'm hoping that, you know, as Saturn continues to move further into your 10th house, further into um, Pisces that you're feeling the softening and the shifts and how it is very different, um, from your Saturn return. And (laughs) we have another Gemini rising chart. Um, this person 
Night Chart Nightmare is their pseudonym. And they ask, can you fail your Saturn return? I know I have only just come out of my first one, which also included the start of the pandemic, but I have a night chart with Aquarius, Saturn, and the ninth house opposing Venus, Mars, and Jupiter, so it's a serious question. Have I caused irreversible damage by not getting things, quote, right? I failed slash dropped out of my last year of an overseas university and had to move back to my home country. I'm unemployed, living with my parents, and I have just been dumped. I feel these past years caused irreversible damage, so it's a serious concern. I'm used to rock bottom, but damn, Saturn return has got me down bad. Um, and Night Chart Nightmare was born on June 13, 1991 at 5.05 a.m. Um, in uh, Swaziland. I don't know how to pronounce this. Mbabene? Yeah? It's probably close. Um, I have no idea. Swaziland. Um, so yeah, this gives them a zero degree Gemini rising um, with Je- um, Mercury and Gemini in the first house as well as the sun and Gemini. They are a night, night chart. Um, they have a zero degree Cancer moon. And like they said, um, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter all in Leo pretty close together with Saturn opposing it. And Saturn is exactly opposite their Venus at six degrees, um, Leo and Aquarius. So that's most, that's pretty much their chart. <laughs> they have almost all of their planets in the first, second, and third with Saturn in the ninth, um, opposing all the third house planets. And yeah, Ari and I are pretty familiar with this chart, even though we don't know this person because we both dated people who have ex- like scarily similar charts. Um, so, so yeah, especially thinking about the Saturn opposing this, this Leo stellium, um, I've thought about this quite a bit. Um, and yeah, you know, I just have to say night chart nightmare, you're not alone, um, in these feelings. And yeah, I, I can tell that the Saturn, Saturn return has been especially difficult for you, but I would imagine the Mars retrograde, um, just like added a little extra pain <laughs> to all of that. Um, I think the first thing I would say is, no, you haven't caused irreversible damage and you didn't get things, you know, wrong. Um, life just be like this sometimes, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And I think one thing I tell my friend, um, person I was mentioning who has a very similar chart. They were just born a couple of days after you, but also a Gemini rising. So pretty much the same placements. Um, they, you know, I've talked to them about the Saturn return and Saturn being retrograde natally and how oftentimes that looks like having to kind of do things multiple times, like kind of having to have a couple go at things before you feel like you get it right. I'm not saying things right or wrong, but for you, for that internal feeling of like, okay, now I finally get it, or now I'm finally learning something for this, or now I know where I'm going. Um, it takes, it takes a couple times, you know, um, especially knowing that the Saturn return was in your ninth house and, you know, you went overseas for, um, university, didn't work out. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about my friend who applied to an overseas university and and got denied and that kind of derailed their plans for their future as well. So very similar, um, themes happening and yeah, you know, it's, um, 
it's you didn't fail. You didn't fail anything. I think I look at this as the these Saturn was showing you, in my opinion, I would imagine Saturn was throughout these difficult lessons showing you, um, you know, what actually matters to you, what actually makes sense for you in terms of not just a career, but like, like an orientate, like a, like an orientation, you know, in terms of how you see the world, how you want to be interacting with the world around you, um, what you actually want to be contributing in terms of your knowledge, um, all of that. Saturn's kind of giving you opportunities to see what's not, what isn't working for you, what you don't want. And I've, I would imagine now that Saturn's in Pisces and, um, you know, you're getting him trying to your moon and no longer interacting with your, um, your Leo placements too. I feel like there's more of an opportunity to experiment and play without so much pressure. Um, and yeah, hopefully steering you into a direction for a career specifically that is much more aligned with like, you know, who you are and, and what you actually want to do in the world. Um, yeah. How are you feeling about this, Ari? Yeah, I mean, my first thing is for Night Chart Nightmare to ask themselves what they mean by irreversible damage. Mm-hmm. Like, what makes damage irreversible? Um, I think that things can, especially like these heavy Saturnian things, can have a big impact and a deep impact that it takes time to recalibrate and readjust from. Um, I feel like maybe the judgment is too swift. Right. Like it is perhaps it's too early, too soon to deem um, these failures and mistakes and hard times as causing irreversible damage because only time shows what's irreversible or not. Um, It's not the feeling in the current moment that determines that it's the evidence over time that you see what what was reversible or not. Um, And. You know, these things of being unemployed, that's not irreversible. Living with your parents is not irreversible. Being dumped is not the end of the world. Um, And so just kind of like asking yourself, what do you mean by that? And why why is that the, um, the diagnosis, right? And just kind of like giving yourself some gentleness and some time to see how things unfold and what emerges, like you were saying, Kira. Um, I don't personally believe that it's possible to cause irreversible damage, especially by not getting things, you know, quote unquote, right. Because there, it's, there, it's all made up. There is no such thing. Like it's literally all made up. And so when it's all made up, there isn't any right or wrong. There's just what you want and what you don't want. And so, you know, the emotional impact can feel very like, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be the same again. You know, or the psychological impact can be like, I don't think I'll ever be the same again. But you don't actually know that for certain. You don't know anything for certain. And that's the one thing that these past couple of years have taught you and taught all of us in some ways that the future is always uncertain. We don't have control over anything. 
it's of what we how we respond and how we choose to show up and how we choose to look at things. So can you choose to look at things a different way? Would you even be willing? Because until you're willing to look at things a different way, then you're just going to be in this feedback loop of um, you fucked up so bad that it's, that it's irreversible. Um, But I feel like it's a little, it's a little too early in your life to make that call, I would say. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with Saturn now kind of hanging out around your midheaven all year, you're probably still feeling a lot of pressure, um, maybe even more so. I'm also hoping, you know, maybe things have shifted for you within the past couple of weeks, even with Saturn moving into Pisces um, and, you know, making this trine with your moon too. So who knows you sent this in, um, in I think March. So I'm crossing my fingers for you that there has been at least some shifts for you. Um, but at the same time, I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, your um, the ruler of your midheaven is Jupiter it's been moving through Aries. Today we have the Kazemi. So again, I'm hoping there's been some positive, um, even if it's just, you know, a change in your outlook, a change in your, your perspective on things. Um, but yeah, you know, I think with, with Jupiter soon entering Taurus, your 12th house, um, there could be just time for, you know, again, a recalibration of, of, change a shift in perspective on what career or what success means for you. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think this Jupiter transit through your 12th is going to really help with that perspective shift. Um, you know, I, you could, there could be a shift in perspective and even just looking at this time of being at home as an opportunity for rest an opportunity for recalibration, opportunity to really, um, yeah, come back into yourself and, and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Re recalibrate or redirect where you, where your energy should be going. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I feel, I just feel for you. I, I definitely, you know, left my Saturn return with similar feelings of like, you know, I, I should have done this totally differently, right? Or could have, should have, would have, you know? But I think one thing that I'm really grateful for Saturn showing me and the things that Saturn, you know, what was perceived to be taken away from me um, or things that were perceived as failures, it really was a course correction. It really was Saturn being like, yeah, you don't need to be doing all of this, you know? Um, and taking away the things that I really, that w- weren't for me anymore, and so I'm really hoping that um, with, you know, some time passing from your Saturn return ending, that you'll be able to kind of also come to a different, a shift in your perspective on the past three years and the decisions that you made and the things that happened to you and maybe looking at it as happening for you um, so that, you know, this next phase of your life, this next 30 years you're on a course that just makes so much more sense for you and who you are and what you came here to do. Mm-hmm. You can only fail something if you're operating under a pass-fail paradigm. So looking at the Saturn return as a test 
versus looking at it as a classroom. So what if you just looked at it as a classroom, mm-hmm. you know, where there, you know, a Montessori classroom, there's no, no pass fail, there's no grade. It's just the purpose of the Saturn return is to learn. And that's what you did. Yeah. You know, the purpose of the Saturn return is not to succeed, you know? Um, and so separating the conflation of those things could open up a lot of space. And the last thing I'd say is that if you're used to rock bottom, good, then use those skills to, you know, rebuild. All right. Like if, if you're used to rock bottom, then you know that you've had it hard before and you've gotten out of it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, keep your hopes up about a partner. There's some cute transits happening for you. <laughs> if you're really upset about being there, dumped. This is a real important thing. <laughs> I mean, I just can't help but notice, you know, we're going to have Venus stationing direct on the ruler of your seventh house later this year. Next summer, we have um, a Jupiter, Venus, sorry. We have a um, Mercury-Jupiter conjunction pretty much on your ascendant. That's your first house, seventh house ruler coming together on your ascendant. Just saying if like that's – I'm as someone who has always, always been a hopeless romantic and, you know, thinking about love, if that's something that can, you know, make you um, looking forward to something in the future, I don't think – I basically am just saying like I don't think you're doomed when it comes to love either. I don't think you're doomed in any aspect, but – that just stood out to me um, that, yeah, there's some cute relationship transits coming up for you too. So don't be too, too down on yourself about that either. Um, but yeah, I think overall I can see it's, it's been a disheartening time and, um, and it's totally valid to be, you know, down in the dumps about it. Um but just hang on because there's there's more coming. There's a lot more coming. Yeah. Let us know how you're doing, Night Chart Nightmare. We'd love to hear um, an update, see how things are going for you. And let us know if this was mm-hmm. helpful. And finally, we have um, someone who has been through their Saturn return and their Saturn square. Um, they... This is trying time, and they basically say, Saturn return, Saturn square, sure. But what about the Saturn trine? Can we look forward to something good, to some good Saturn, uh, some good Saturnian news? Is that an oxymoron? I love this. I love this question. I love that it's asked by someone with Saturn and, and Scorpio. Um, I just personally love the Saturn and Scorpio generation. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys are great. Something about the fixed Saturns. I think we just we just like each other. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm not sharing their birth information, but this person does have Saturn in the fifth house in Scorpio, um, and they their midheaven is in at ten degrees Pisces in the ninth house. So um, they have Saturn kind of coming up to their midheaven currently. I'll also share that they have their moon at twenty nine. 59 degrees of Aquarius, a very, very end of Aquarius. So Saturn just, just got off of their moon um, and is coming to try and their natal Saturn right now. Um, also worth it to note, they have Venus and Mars um, at eight and 10 degrees of Virgo. So Saturn's going to be opposing their Venus and Mars conjunction as well um, throughout this transit. 
So yeah, but Saturn trines, do you have anything to say about them off the jump? I think uh, it's an opening, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially the opening trine. <laughs> you know, it's it's an opening and I'm loving seeing like Saturn and, Aqu- uh, Saturn and Scorpio people like really kind of interestingly, like the word expanding comes to mind that might not be the right word but there's a kind of like momentum being gained mm-hmm. right after some of the stall of the square you know that followed the opening sets tile yeah. the opening sets tile is kind of like okay momentum starts to kind of build and then you get the square and it's like okay time for some creative tension and then you get the opening trying and so it's kind of like okay back to like accelerating the momentum um and good Saturnian news is absolutely a thing, yeah. you know, like you, I mean, good, like a good, healthy, like well-functioning Saturn or like um, internally or externally is amazing news, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think like this, the water, Saturn water chine is so beautiful. It's, it's like mystique, you know, mm-hmm. it's so so mystical and so i think this kind of reminds me of what i said about jupiter and pisces when i was kind of like you know everyone's bitching about jupiter and pisces not giving them results but they're expecting external results from a nocturnal transit Mm -hmm. and so kind of with this even though this person has you know midheaven there in the ninth in pisces it's Saturn in a nocturnal sign, Saturn in a water sign, trying your Saturn in a water sign in a nocturnal sign. And so just um, leaving a little extra room for a lot of the shifts to be internal and then to develop externally versus waiting for external things to happen that make you feel an internal way. Like that outward momentum that's going to come with the opening trine is going to be sustained by the kind of like internal shifts that happen because it is so much water. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is such a great reflection. Um, Like just underlining that, like don't expect it to be external first. Like these, especially for a night chart, I think, um, and for Saturn being subterranean as well, um, these shifts will be pretty internal. I'm curious, you know, this person also has Saturn in an exact trine to the ascendant as well. Um, so Saturn is pretty, yeah, I can see, it can see um, the ascendant and descendant very well from the fifth house. Um, and with Saturn ruling the, f- the seventh house, it makes me wonder if their Saturn return had to do with partnerships and relationships, maybe even a baby, who knows, um, with Saturn in the fifth house. But um, the opening coming, one, out of the, the dark eighth house, <laughs> off of your moon, um, which is your chart ruler, right? And into the ninth house, moving up towards the midheaven, sort of like very much ascending into this trine, like opening definitely feels like the right word. Um, it feels like to me, there's opportunity as well, like opportunity to improve relationships, to meet new people. It feels really relational to me. Um, And especially as, as, you know, you're getting three trines from Saturn to your natal Saturn. So 
Um, new relationships, if you are partnered, this could look like um, developments happening like with, with your partner and their life and maybe some you know, career stuff happening for them, maybe something that that therefore impacts you. Um, Yeah, it just, there's something really just uh, supportive and fortifying about it to me, especially as it's coming to this, you know, your midheaven to an angle and, um, you know, making a trine to your midheaven, or sorry, making a trine to your ascendant as it's trining your natal Saturn, it just feels like fortifying. Um, yeah, like, like, uh, just making something stronger, <laughs> but in a way that is, it's like in a soft way, you know, in this watery way, um, it's like fortifying a dam or something or, um, you know, making your ship stronger or more, uh, more sturdy, something like that. Um, yeah, it just seems like seems like it can be really lovely. I'm trying to think. I, don't, I can't remember like my last Saturn trine. <laughs> it's been a minute, but yeah, I don't know. I guess the one thing I will say, because um, Saturn is going to come really close to your moon again. <laughs> so just, just paying that, paying that some mind and rem- remembering that come November that um, if you're feeling like there's some callback to, you know, February, early March of this year. That's what it will be. Saturn coming very close to your moon again. It's stationing at zero degrees Pisces and your moon's like pretty much there at 2957. Um, but yeah, there's, there's that. There's also, you know, Saturn coming to your, um, your mutable square with your Sag and Virgo placements um, that's gonna cause some crunch, I think. Um, but the, the trine, it feels like it's setting you up for anything that's to come next year with those squares and oppositions. Um, yeah. Anything else to add with that? No. Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And that though the opposition to Venus and Mars and Virgo, that's going to happen eventually from, from uh, Saturn and Pisces just feels like, you know, oppositions are integration. Mm -hmm. Like they only seem like polarities if, if they're not being integrated. And so, yeah, I think this is kind of, I don't know. It seems very like doable is the word that's Mm -hmm. coming to mind, you know, just like doable. And like, like you said, like supportive and fortifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're already post-Saturn return, right? And not that it's like life's a breeze all the time now. Um, but also like, are are we not tired of, <laughs> you know, just kind of like hammering down on the Saturn, yeah. right? After the last five years, like it's okay to just shift focus. Mm-hmm. And Jupiter is going to come um, station opposite your Saturn. So with Mercury. So Mercury is going to, station direct at five degrees of Taurus come May. And then um, Jupiter will eventually station there on New Year's Eve way later in the year in December at five degrees of Taurus. And I think those also, and that kind of coincides, you know, it happens around the same time as your third um, Saturn trine. 
third and final one that happens early next year. So I'm just keeping that in mind too for you. Just, you know, I think the Jupiter opposition can offer some good perspective on your Saturn um, and what Saturn, you know, represents in your life. And I just keep coming back down to relationships and partnerships. It seems to be so much about that for you, um, whether it's business or personal or, or, you know, platonic or whatever. Um, it seems like there's some creative partnerships um, that are really important when it comes to your Saturn story. So I'm curious to see what the, yeah that Jupiter opposition brings um, as well as you're moving through these Saturn trines. But yeah, you know, rejoice. You're, you're almost done with the eclipses. You're almost done with the South Node on your Saturn. Like um, this is very much a time for, you know, yeah, this, the, the feeling of um, maturing in a way that, you know, just feels like you're really settling more and more into who you are, um, your authentic self. And yeah, I'm hoping it's, it's good for you. It feels really good for you. Yeah, look forward. Yeah. Oh, also in that Venus retrograde stationing opposite your chart ruler. We'll see what that's about for you too. Um, hopefully something good financially. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's what we have today for our questions. Um, such a pleasure answering them. I really appreciate everyone who submitted. Keep submitting. Um just because we didn't answer yours today doesn't mean we won't in the future. I'm trying to put them together into like sort of themes. Um, so yeah, keep submitting your questions and um, also your hashtag astrologer good stories. Who knows? Maybe we'll change it to astrology that hits. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining Ari. This has been so lovely. Thanks for inviting me. This is so fun. I didn't know that this was something that I like wanted to do in my life. <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah, yeah, you're really good at it. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to watch you work. It's really dope. Oh, thank you. Let's um, remind the people where they can find you. Yes, thedreammommy.com. Mommy is M-A-M-I. And at the Dream Mommy on Instagram and Twitter, and on Substack, I'm the Dream Realm, and that's arifelitz.substack.com, and that's where I have my membership. I do all my writing, so that's where you can really find me. Um, aside from working with me one on one, great, awesome. Well, be sure to follow Ari and check out their work. Um, be sure to follow me too. <laughs> <laughs> and submit your questions. Um, we're at Cosmic Guidance for All on Instagram. You can submit your questions at kira.world slash ask. And um, yeah, till next time. Thanks again, Ari. Thank you. Bye.